Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, Romans 8.15 here. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit, now this is capitalized, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself, continuing on, verses 16 and 17, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Did everybody get those three verses? Romans 8, 15, 16, and 17. Joint heirs with Jesus. The Spirit confirms that we are what, church? Children of God, right? The Spirit confirms that we are not only children of God, somebody just said it a moment ago, but joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are not, listen, we are not wounded stepchildren. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And not only does He do that, He bears witness that we are children of God. He bears witness witness that we are joint heirs with Jesus. And He Himself gives us the ability to say, Abba, Father. Did everybody get that? When you read that verse in Romans 8, 15, it says, by him we cry out, Abba, Father. In other words, we have a close relationship with God Almighty. Do you receive that today? The Spirit himself establishes us, tells us who we are, and enables us to say it. It is the Spirit who gives life. That life is knowing who you are and knowing what you can do. Did everybody hear that right there? The Spirit, listen, He lets you know who you are and what you can do. Listen now. Listen. He lets you know who you are and what you can do. Yes, that's important. That's why I said it three times. What you are called to do. Now listen, when you first got saved, do you really know who you are in Christ? When you first get saved? Do you really know what you can now do? Do you? When you first get saved, do you really know who you are and what you can now do? It's a done deal. When you got saved, you are all you're going to be in Christ. He establishes it, right? And he establishes power within you. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, he establishes an incredible amount of power in you. But we don't know that exactly when we first get saved. It takes the Spirit to unlock those things. We are talking about the spirit of life. It takes the spirit to reveal, to bring revelation of who we are and what we can now do. Notice I'm emphasizing two things here, who we are and what we can do. It takes the spirit to unlock these things, and it's for the willing. Everybody hear that right there? It's for the willing. Those who know there is more and those who want the will of God for their lives. Listen, our church comes at you from every angle. Amen? We didn't, listen, we put, out, we put out a spirit that we are saying, come on and worship God, right? We put out a, we put out a spirit that says you have, to, you have to embrace holiness. You have to lead the life. 
And we put out a, we put out a spirit of the Holy Spirit that says, embrace the Holy Spirit. Go after God with all of your heart. Listen to these verses here. This is 1 Corinthians 3, 11 and 12. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now listen to this. For, we, for now we see in a mirror dimly. Everybody catch that right there, right? For now we see in a mirror dimly. Dimly. But then face to face. When? Someday we'll stand before God face to face, right? We'll stand in his presence face to face. Now I know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am known. Everybody getting this? I want you to get it because if you don't get this part, you're going to miss the rest. For now we see in a mirror dimly. In other words, we don't see the full picture. But sooner or later, we'll see it face to face. We'll see, we'll be able to see clearly. Now I know, Paul is speaking, now I know in part. But then I shall know just as I am also known. What is he saying? God has a knowledge of you folks. He sees it clearly. Amen? He has a knowledge of who you are and what you can do. When we first get saved, we cannot see who we are and what we can do. Someday we will. I believe this. I heard a preacher preach this. I don't know if I agree with it or not. Coming out of Revelation 21, 4 and 5, where it talks about, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This preacher believes that that'll be tears of regret of the things that we were called to do and didn't do, of, the, of not knowing who we are. I have a passion for life, folks. I want the church to be alive. I don't even know how to put it into words. God has a knowledge. It's dimly lit for us right now, but it doesn't have to stay that way. We need to, we need to get that mirror clearer and clearer every minute of every day, every day of every year and every year of our lives. We are not called to stay as children. Would everybody agree with that? We are to put down those things, put away those things. What is, what's some characteristics of a child? A child will listen to and believe anything, won't they? How many of you ever get a kid to go up and start saying things for you? You know what I mean? Go tell you know, somebody who roots for a different team. Go tell them to, you love the Redskins. I get Jackson Lucas to do that for me to Jason. He'll do, any, he'll do what I ask him to do. He's a little boy, Right? Candace, I haven't worked that quite out yet. She won't go and do the things that I want her to do yet. But. <laughs> Not working out. Her and Hope are talking too much together. I can't get them to. A child needs and follows an adult, right? Now, before you cast away all these things, whew, it's not me. I'm not a child. How many of us listen to and believe anything? In all honesty, you may not. How many of us need and follow an adult? You might be thinking it can't be me, but is it? Is it possible it is? The example that I always use, there's a lot of people that wouldn't come to church today if the other adult didn't come. Then you need and you follow an adult. 
A child is consumed with pleasing people, aren't they? How many, how many of you, all of us who have kids, how many times did your kids come up to you and say, hey, mommy, let me show you this. Let me show you what I did. And that's what they should do. They're a child, right? There's nothing wrong with being a child, correct? It's, it's only wrong when you're 34 years old and acting that way. A child is over-emotional. A child is guided by emotion. Listen, the most important thing for a child is how they feel. How many of us are like that? Guided by emotion. A child is more susceptible to fear. A child lacks knowledge about life. That's for you teenagers, because you're still a child. You think you know everything, but you don't. You find out, hopefully the easy way. A child, a child has little knowledge about life. If you allow your kid, they'll walk right out onto 776. They'll walk right out there. If you've never trained them to not walk out into a busy road, guess what they'll do? The Spirit wants to reveal life to us. He wants to give us wisdom about life. He wants to reveal life to us. He wants to reveal the abundance of life to us, the life that God has called us to. We have to lay aside childish ways. And what I'm saying that what I'm saying now is spiritually childish ways. An abundant life, listen, is a life pursuing and being full of Jesus. All other things, if you are doing those two things, if you are pursuing to be full of the Lord, all other things will be added to you. Where do I get that from? Matthew chapter 6, 33 and 34. It's Jesus speaking, right? If we just seek him first, all other things will be added to us. How many of us will embrace that simplicity? Most of us, what we're trying to do is we are pursuing Jesus to our own ends and then trying to add other things to make our lives complete. That will not work. You cannot, listen to me this morning, you cannot have it all. You cannot be wholeheartedly in the world and wholeheartedly serving Jesus. And what I mean by that is this. I'm not saying wholeheartedly in the world sinning. I'm just talking about you are, you're passionate. You are so passionate about this one area of your life. So passionate about it. And then you also want to be so passionate about Jesus. Listen, forget about the other thing. Be so passionate about Jesus. And it'll make you so much better at the other thing anyway. That's how it works. But that doesn't appeal to our flesh, and we're going to get to that. All other things will be added to us if we seek him first. A life full of anointing. Luke 4, 18 and 19. Write these down quick if you want. A life full of power. These are all via the Spirit of God. A life full of mystery revealed. Ephesians 3, 3 and 5. A life full of revelation. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 12. A life full of freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Let me stop right there for a moment. 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? Now notice that. I'm saying all of these things, anointing, power, mystery revealed, revelation, freedom, all come via the spirit. Listen to this real quick. I'm going to say it a few more times throughout this message. Jesus is for the lost. The spirit is for the church. Do you get that? Jesus is for the lost. 
The blood of Jesus. If it's washed your sins away, it's washed your sins away. It's done. Right? The Spirit is now for the life after that. A spirit of anointing, power, mystery revealed, revelation, freedom, purpose, Romans 8.14. A life with purpose revealed in the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-10. Everybody get that right there. A life of purpose revealed in the gifts. Who gives the gifts? The Spirit, right? Now understand what I'm saying here now. A life with purpose revealed by the Spirit. Revealed in gifts via the Spirit. These are gifts that most Christians will never discover. It sounds harsh, doesn't it? I didn't say you were going to hell now, right? Everybody's got that, right? These are gifts that most Christians will never discover that they have. Because we are way too distracted to even look for them let alone find. Understand, you have the mirror that you look at yourself through dimly, right? Imagine that, a mirror smeared with stuff. Barely see it. Paul says, someday I'm going to see myself as I am known. Known by whom? God Almighty. The path to that are the gifts and callings of God. You're already saved. There's so many churches and so many Christians, they just keep singing about, I got saved, I got saved. Well, that's great. Now what? How many more times are we going to sing about, I got saved, I got saved? I mean, I believe that even God gets tired of it. I got saved. Okay, we know. Thank you. We rejoice. The angels rejoice when you got saved. We got that down pat. There's many churches, that's their bedrock foundation. I got saved. Because they certainly don't include the Spirit and they certainly are not encouraging people to find their gifts and their callings. Most Christians never even look because we are way too distracted to bother. Now listen, what am I talking A common distraction. Are you ready for this? A common distraction in the church is the attender, follow, pastor mentality. That's a common distraction in the church is that I am an attender, I follow a pastor. That is not the setup in the Word of God. Listen, I want to tell you something. Do you know there are great ministries and churches out there, and the pastor preaches the driest message you've ever heard in your life? Would you say amen? It's true. There are. I'm not naming anybody. You know, don't be scared. I'm not gonna, they're not going to come out the door like some TV show. There are. There's, there's churches out there where... If you, if you watch the pastor, I, he's, and I'm not, you might be thinking, that's you, Tom. Well, if it is, it is. You can tell me afterwards, alone. There are, there are pastors out there, and he worship leaders or whatever. These huge churches, pastors dry as toast, and the, and the worship is okay. Do you know why that is? I'm, and I'm saying huge churches that are serving God, that love God, that are doing things for God. How do they do it? Because you know what? A true church doesn't need an iconic figure. That's how we're set up today. That's how a lot of pastors like it. They like what they like. They like Pastor Appreciation Day. That's good stuff. Maybe I'll get myself another motorcycle. 
See, it's just not meant to be that way. A church, listen, I'm not saying, by the way, that the pastor who preaches a dry message is just not exciting. He might have other areas of his ministry that are just unbelievably great. See, but the body comes in and just fills in everything. Because the people are acting in their gifts and in their callings and doing what they're supposed to be doing. They don't even need an iconic figure. That's the church. That's the church. That's how it's supposed to be going. How many of you know that Paul, in the letters that he wrote, he was rarely, obviously, when he was writing a letter, he wasn't there. Correct? Who was the iconic figure in all these churches? Name me the iconic figure in the, in, in the church at, at Ephesus. In Galatia. In, name it. Corinth. They were a body of believers. Was there pastors and apostles and teachers? Absolutely. But today, we've gotten warped into the iconic figure where we're getting attended. We, are, we, are, we believe that one of our callings is attendance. Listen, attendance is part of a calling. I'll get to that in a minute. The pure reflection, folks, the pure reflection is when you start to discover who you are and what you are called to do and what you can do. And it's far more than sitting in a seat. Get ready now. God's gifts and his callings are who you are. Everything else, everything. Listen now. God's gifts and his callings are who you are for eternity. Everybody got that? Every other relationship will not exist. Do you get this now? Everything else pales in comparison. Everything else pales in importance. God's calling for you and how God has gifted you in that calling is who you are and that's what you will take with you to eternity. We all know 1 Timothy 6, 7, for we brought nothing into this world and it's certain that we can carry nothing out, right? We brought nothing in, correct? And we can carry nothing out. What goes with us? Only the stuff that God gave us before he formed us in the womb. Everything else goes. Every bit of your body, some of you have worked real hard for and whatever, that's gone. The only thing that will go, your husband doesn't go with you. You will no longer be married to him. You will no longer be married to her. You will no longer be father of so-and-so or mother of so-and-so. There will be one father God and you'll be married to Jesus. That's the word of God, folks. The part about, you know, mother and daughter, mother and you know, son and that stuff, that's my opinion. But the father, you'll be married to Jesus. That's it. So where should we be focusing all of our energies on? In my opinion, what we're taking with us. No other relationship goes with us. No other possession goes with us. No other title goes with us. I will not be Sergeant Tom Lipley, the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office, badge number 913. I will not be that anymore. I won't be Pastor Tom Lipley either. He doesn't need a pastor in heaven. I think Jesus can take care of it without me. In all of these things, these gifts and callings are offered by whom? The Spirit of life, the Holy Spirit of the living God. Let's talk about pursuit this morning. Pursuit. 
Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Sinful nature means what? That you're sinning? That you are now in sin. You're sinning. How many of us were born with a sinful nature? Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set. Another way to say that is, in, in different translations, those who live according to the flesh. And back in the King James, it says carnally minded. Those who live carnally minded have their minds set on what that nature desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Remember what I told you a minute ago? We can pursue a bunch of other things if we want and try to add to our lives, but if we just seek Him first, we'll have life and peace. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. I want to say that one more time. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. The sinful mind, the carnal mind, the fleshly mind is hostile towards God. Now listen, before we gloss over these verses and we say to ourselves, thank goodness, none of that applies to me because I'm saved, right? Remember, that's... A lot of people, I'm saved. I'm going to sing songs about how I got saved. I want to focus on when I got saved. Before we gloss over these verses, let's take a closer look. Let's take an introspective look. This is not an attempt to beat us down. This is a pursuit of life. A pursuit of change. A pursuit, listen to this, a pursuit of doing. Not saying we're going to do, not talking about doing, but it, it's a pursuit of the church doing John 14, 12, greater things than Jesus did. Because Jesus, once again, Jesus said, to do greater things than I did, all you have to do is believe in me. But is the church doing that? I believe that there's some hurdles that we have got to, we've got to hop over to get there. And I said we, by the way, all of us. The sinful nature... The flesh, the carnal mind are hostile toward God. Anybody ever experienced somebody being hostile towards you? No? Okay, good. A lot of people besides me. I've had a lot of people be hostile towards me in my life, probably more than anybody in this room outside of Ricky Beasley because we're both policemen. You get a lot of hostility in that area. Believe me. The sinful nature... The flesh, the carnal mind are hostile towards God. Now listen to this. The pursuits of the carnal mind and the flesh must be identified. If we're going to see clearly that image, how many of us want to see it? Paul talked about, I want to say it again, Paul talked about being known as he truly is. How many of, us want, how many of you want to look in a mirror, spiritual mirror, and know who you really are? That's, by the way, we're joint heirs with Jesus. That's all that Jesus did. Jesus did not have to discover who he was. He knew and acted upon it. We in the church are talking about how we got saved, and we just keep talking about how we got saved. And you might be thinking, I never talk about how I got saved. Are you progressing? Because if you're not, you're really talking about how you already got saved. 
If you're the same Christian you've been over the last 10 years, that's what you're focused on. The pursuits of the carnal mind must be identified. Are they all sin? Is every pursuit of the sinful nature sin? No. Does every single aspect of the sinful mind, the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, every single aspect of it, is it going to be eliminated from our mind, from our life? Yes and no. If it's a fleshly pursuit as identified in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, that's talking about pure, unadulterated sin, that needs to be completely eliminated for sure. But here's the thing. We must identify this morning, church, in these closing moments together. In these closing moments together, we must identify what we pursue. The carnal mind, the flesh, the sinful nature in our minds and eliminate it because it is hostile toward God. Is Scripture ambiguous in any way? The sinful, the sinful mind is hostile toward God. Now let's go down a list. I wrote down a list. You'll like this. Is selfishness of the sinful nature? It's an easy one. Absolutely. Now here's the thing with selfishness. A lot of it is we, a lot of us, we think, okay, I'm not selfish. When I truly look at myself, I see how self-centered I am. So I invite you this morning to do exactly the same thing. Number two, is religion of the sinful nature? Religion. Pure and undefiled religion before God is not, right? It's 1 Timothy 1.27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is not. I'm talking about religious practices. Religion... Doing things just to do them is of the sinful nature. Why? Because it's devoid of conviction. Not having an active relationship with God when you are passionate about Him, when you're talking to Him, when you are worshiping, when you are seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit, when you are giving God all that you have, not doing those things and just being a run-of-the-mill, well, you know, I fulfill my obligations as a Christian, is of the sinful nature. I'm not talking about staying obedient. I'm just saying, you know what? Now, I don't really care about, you know, pursuing God that much or, you know, it's just, that's of the sinful nature. How about outside pursuits? Jobs, hobbies, being a fan. We're all going to be watching football today. Well, a lot of us will be. I wrote down another little sub list to this list. <laughs> just a little list. Uh, it's just five things of things that I've seen people leave church over. Dog training, rowing, girlfriend, boyfriend, jobs. I'm not talking about those of you when duty calls, you have to work. I'm not talking about that. I could probably come up with other ones, but I wrote that right before church. I'm serious. I've had people in our church leave this church for rowing, dog training, lots of girlfriends, lots of boyfriends, and lots of jobs. An outside pursuit, when it becomes even minutely competitive with your pursuit of Jesus, is of the sinful nature. Nothing should compete, because you're, that is not going to bring you the clear image of who you are. How about vacationing? 
There's a lot of folks, man, they vacation from church all the time. And here's the thing, when I say church, I don't mean they don't come on Sunday. That's a part of it. They're on a permanent vacation from serving in the body of Christ. I'll get to more of that in a minute. How about isolation? This is a good one. And a lot of you, right when I said isolation, you went, no, it can't be me, I'm in church today. Let's talk about isolation. We all know Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, right? It actually says right before that, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so more as the day, as the, as the day approaches, right? What does it say before that? And let us consider one another. It doesn't say, you know what? <sighs> Sat next to Jim and Brandon. We're fellowshipping. Do you feel it, Jim? You feel it? You feel me? Do you feel provoked unto love and good works? Do you feel it? Just by me sitting right here? You, thank you, Brandon. I mean, you're welcome, Brandon. Brandon. Do you feel provoked? See, a lot of us, again, it comes down to that attender mentality. I have attended, therefore, I am in fellowship. There's a lot of people that come but don't fellowship. There's a lot of people that minister and don't fellowship. That's of the flesh. It's part of our sinful nature to isolate because people irritate us. Right? You know it's true. Why else would, why would we not, why would we isolate ourselves for any other reason? Honest, I enjoy being lonely. Nobody enjoy. if you feel loneliness, you're going to run to a person. I, when I was single, I lived at people's houses. Whether I just, I've told you this before. I lived at people's houses. I just believed they wanted me there. I don't know whether they did or not. I believe in my heart. I trusted in Jesus that they wanted me there. I lived at Rich and Lisa Dignazio's house, and I lived at my pastor's house. And I just, I assumed they wanted me there. They at least put on a great show. I'm sure the times they didn't. But I felt lonely. I, was, I wanted to be around them. So why would we isolate? Because we don't want to be around them. You can't do that in the body. That's of the sinful nature. Go to the person who irritates you the most and love them the most. Do that. Spend time with them. Maybe you will spill over onto them and they won't be so irritating. <laughs> right? How about laziness? Is that of the sinful nature? Huge part of the sinful nature, of the carnal mindset is to not do anything for God. I said this on Tuesday night. We were praying for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I said to them, if you want to speak in tongues, make sure that this is not the last time you pray between now and, Sunday, or now and next Tuesday. How will we discover who we are if we don't do anything? How about stubbornness and won't be taught? Here's a good one for the church today. How about parenting? What about parenting? How many of us have, would acknowledge today with an uplifted hand that there's parenting problems in the United States today? Okay. Now, if there's parenting problems in the United States, then there's parenting problems inside the church, right? How does, now, here's the thing. 
If an unsaved person, everybody okay for a little longer? Okay. If an unsaved person is not bringing their children to church and not parenting them in accordance to the word of God, do we go up to them and, and, and make them come into a service like this and have me preach to them? They aren't coming. You know why? Even God doesn't expect anything more from them. They don't know, right? How would they know? I mean, if you look at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, it says, how then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them, right? And they don't know. Even God would say, you know what? They're parenting the way they know to parent. If you strike gold like I did, my parents weren't Christians, but you know what? They were great parents. My dad was a, was a disciplinarian. I managed to stay out of prison. Right? Probably would have gone that route. But what about the parent? See, what, what we care about is the parenting inside the church. Now, here's the thing. You might be like, why? Is there any prerequisites in Scripture for you to be a Christian leader and parent correctly? Yes. 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5 says, One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he, how will he take care of the church of God? Right? I doubt many of you would follow me as a pastor if you saw my, kill, my children running around like chickens with their heads cut off and mean unable to control them. Would you? How many of you would just run to follow me then? No, there's a great pastor. Children bad-mouthing them. I've seen it where, other, where kids are hitting their parents now, and people, oh, oh it's just they're bored. <laughs> <laughs> bored? I can't even imagine striking my father. He'd be in prison. Because I would be dead. So we have a parenting problem inside the church, and a lot of times it keeps the mirror dimly lit. Right? Well, here, let me, let's look at it. How, what's the parenting problem? Sometimes it's because we love our kids more than we love Jesus, and Jesus specifically says we cannot do that. In Matthew chapter 10, 37 through 39. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And the other thing inside the body is we need to determine whether or not throwing a ball is more important than going to heaven. There is nobody that likes sports more than me, I doubt. But if I'm choosing my child's position in the body of Christ, I'm not talking about occasionally missing a Sunday. I'm talking about positioning in the body of Christ. Am I going to choose my child lofting a ball of some sort, because that's what all of our sports are about, some sort of ball? Am I going to choose that being what it is that costs my child his soul? Is that what I'm going to choose? But I don't want them to miss out on anything. What are you talking about? I'd rather, listen, I'm going to break something to you. This is free. No additional, you know, cost in the offering. This is free. 
most of your children are not going to play in the NFL. (laughs) Most of your children are not going to be major league anything in sports. It is a minute portion of people that ever get to that level. I'm not rolling the dice on that. Even that, they could gain the whole world, right? And lose their soul. But let's take it down a notch from even that level. I'm not going to roll the dice on my child's soul, heaven and hell, for all of eternity so that they can shoot a ball better. If we lost our ever-loving minds, it's insanity. I should have put that on my list, sports. I forgot about that. When we have a choice, the sinful nature says, the spirit says, come to the body. I hear all this. How do I establish my gifts and my callings? Listen to this real quick. Prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, workers of miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administration, Variety of tongues, serving, leadership, mercy, and courage, and contributing. Those are callings and gifts. Here's gifts. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, workers of miracles, prophecy, discernment, different tongues, interpretation of tongues. How do I establish these things in my life? Let me ask you this question. I want to ask you eight questions very quickly. Is there a Bible study here? Is there a ladies ministry here? Is there a children's church here? Is there a prayer line here? Junior high ministry here? Senior high to college ministry here? Is there a main sanctuary service? Is there going to be a young marriage ministry? Yes. What you do if you want to establish your gifts and your callings is get in and fellowship. God will not use you if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Your gifts and your callings will follow the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is the filter for the gifts and the callings. You have to have that fruit. Get in to these things. You might be thinking, this is a pastor trying to recruit. Understand something. I do not have those motives. I do not. I'm not trying to recruit you to show up. What I'm trying to do is give you opportunity to make that mirror clear for you to see. That's all I'm trying to do. And you have to show up for these things. You have to love people. You have to get into the body of Christ. That's it. Is that a plain path for everybody? Show up. Get into it. And God will reveal that you're a prophet. God will reveal that you're an apostle. God will reveal that you are to serve or to encourage and they could change over time. Right? So there's a clear path for everybody. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.